morning and welcome to Career Stories from the Field. This week I'm talking to Chris Orme. He's the sales director at Travel Lodge and has had a really interesting career all centred around the travel industry. Chris's passion for geography took him travelling all around the world before he settled into a career of sales. He shines a light on just how important interpersonal skills are with building successful partnerships both with his team but with his customers as well. Time to grab a coffee and enjoy. Welcome to Chris Orme on rather a miserable grey morning, but welcome, Chris, to the Career Stories of the Field podcast. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you, Penny. Thanks very much for having me. Oh, thanks so much for agreeing to uh, to join me. What's the weather like down where you are? Yeah, well, we're based in Tame in Oxfordshire, and it's definitely a bit overcast after having the, uh, the false dawn of summer over the last uh, week or so, but it's all good. We're all okay. Good. I'm sat here. It's it's raining. It's grey, and I've got my heater on, which I just think is ridiculous, quite frankly. <laughs> anyway, let's get cracking. Let's start to learn more about you and your career. So, let's start off by you giving us a bit of an intro. What's your job title, and what is it? What does it actually mean? Yeah, I'm the UK sales director for Travelodge Hotels. So. My main purpose is to try and um, encourage people to use Travelodge um, for primarily their business needs, really. So we talk a lot to business customers um, and encourage them to use Travelodge uh, across the country. We've got 600 hotels. Uh, I've got a team of nearly 70 people um, who target all sorts of different customer types, um, customer segments. So, yeah, our job is mainly to fill the hotels. Okay. And it's interesting. I know, I mean, Travel Lodge is a, is a household brand. I'm sure everybody knows about Travel Lodge, but it's it's interesting until I started to work with you that I always thought that Travel Lodge was aimed at more the, the individual, but you're saying it's it's more for the, well, you're targeting businesses. Tell us about that. Yeah. So our, our business leisure split is around 50-50 now. So 50% of our our revenues come from people going, staying away for leisure purposes, so holidays, uh, weddings, that kind of thing. And then 50% of our revenues come from uh, customers staying for business. So that's meetings, but it's also people who are um, working on building projects um, and it's also people going to conferences and events, uh, things like that as well. So that's changed over the time that I've been at Travelodge because in, in the sort of tech, go back 10 years and it was very much more of a leisure brand. People recognise for as for leisure staying away at weekends um, but over the last 10 years we've really grown our business customer revenues um, and, that, and that's come through the work of, of my team. Fantastic so I, for some sales might seem like an, an obvious occupation but for, for many people won't really know what being a sales director means from a, a day-to-day perspective. Now you talk that you've got a team, uh, but can you give us an overview of what being a sales director means in reality, and and how your team helps you achieve what it is that you know you're, you're set out to to achieve? 
Yeah, so we, we have a team um, who are, uh, we are, are trying to align our teams to the commercial objectives of the business. So that, that is to sell rooms uh, at, a, at, the, at the rate that we've got in the marketplace. So that that is sales at Travelodge is very much about going out, finding customers, attract, attracting them to, to Travelodge and, in, and getting them to buy as many rooms as they as they can. So on a day-to-day basis, my, my job is to try and align the business sort of commercial objectives with the activities that my team undertake um, and then empower the teams to um, deliver those results with the tools, the training, uh, and the, the processes, the uh, content that they need to go out to customers and convince them to use Travelodge. Um, so my role is generally about enabling my team with all of those things. It's about trying to achieve budgets and commercial objectives that align with our overall business strategy. Um, but probably the most exciting bit really for me is is interacting with customers. So large and small, we've got some very big customers um, who have huge numbers of employees in their businesses traveling around the country for, for business. And we've got some smaller customers who perhaps only stay away 10, 15 times a year. Um, I love the sort of variation in customer types, um, customer objectives, the results that they want to achieve in their businesses and getting to know their businesses. So my team have, uh, they're split into three different teams, sub-teams, and they all um, work with different customer segments. So we've got a team who will look at group bookings for things like conferences and events. Got a team who look after the smaller SME type customers and a team who look after the big key accounts or enterprise accounts, so companies who are spending six-figure sums on hotels every year. Um, and that, that's the interesting bit, really. And, and I love the fact that my team are really skilled at, at communicating with customers. I think sales is very much a, a communications business. It's about understanding your customer, understanding what they're trying to achieve, um, and then trying to offer a product that matches those requirements um, and I think that's that's the skill um, in sales and I've got a very I'm happy to say I've got a very skilled team here at Travelodge um, who are speaking to customers every single day um, and I guess my job is sort of sitting above all that making sure that what they, they've got all the things they need to do their job most effectively and making sure that the activities that we're undertaking and the interventions that we're undertaking align with our overall business objectives um, to sort of sit in between the the board um, and the people who do the really hard work. Fantastic. You talk uh, a fair bit about the elements that you enjoy, such as communicating with the customer. Uh, is there anything else that you particularly enjoy that, that brings you that job satisfaction? I think the biggest satisfaction I get, Penny, is seeing my team achieve amazing things um, pretty much on a daily basis. We get fantastic feedback from customers about the process, the sales process, the, the service that my team have, have given them. Um, I love seeing people succeed. We, we encourage a lot of internal promotion in my team. So people moving through um, their careers and their career journey within my team and, and also outside. You know, we, We've had people who've moved on to different departments within Travelodge as well. And I think that's hugely rewarding seeing people sort of achieve their aspirations, both in their current job, delivering great results, great outcomes, great customer service, but also seeing them progress in their careers and going on to achieve brilliant things um, and and, um, developing their careers within my team. We we focus quite a lot of time and effort on 
development plans for the team, um, both improving their skills in their current role and also trying to give them the ability to think about what comes next. So yeah, definitely achieving great results, both myself, but also across my team and and for the business. Uh, I think I wouldn't be um, happy in a role if there weren't some real clear outcomes at the end of it. But I love the fact that I do that through having a great team and in improving those uh, the skills in the team and their ability to do a great job and their career uh, path as well. So those are the things that, if I sort of summarise it, achieving fantastic outcomes through um, a great team that we that we help and support as best we can. That's wonderful, wonderful, and uh, words of a of a true leader. So you know, success uh, of a leader comes from the success of of your team. So it sounds like you're on the right path. Way there from a leadership perspective, which is which is excellent. Uh, is there any particular meaning that you derive from your role? Yeah, I mean, it sort of builds a little bit on the answer to the last question, Penny. Actually, so it is all about um, creating a motivational environment for the team. I, I I really enjoy it when people enjoy their job, get satisfaction from their job, um, working in a motivational environment. Because I think that is so, so crucial to delivering great results and great outcomes for our business. So it really motivates me when I get great customer feedback about one of my team or if one of my team tells me that they're having a great day or achieved great things or achieved great results. And I create an environment where or team leaders, managers, heads of department in my team are proactively sharing successes and sharing recognition. Um, and, I, and I think that builds a really strong culture for success. That is the fundamental part of the jigsaw for me in a, in a role, is seeing people achieve great things and being really proud of what it is that they do and the service that they offer and the role that they play in our, in our business's strategy and our business's results. And that's the bit that probably you know, gets me up in the morning and, and gets me into the office. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. So you're the, the sales director at, at Travelodge now. Did you always want to be this? It's like, when I grow up, I want to be the sales director at Travelodge. <laughs> Def- definitely not. Um, <laughs> I had very, various aspirations when I was a, a kid about uh, different roles. It was uh, everything from trying to be an architect at one point to... Uh, running a pub can you believe it at the age of 10 I think wow. that's what I decided I wanted to do um, so yeah it definitely it definitely wasn't something that was grounded in any any early aspirations I think it's one of those things that sort of evolved as I built my skills and my experience over the first few years of, of my sort of working life I guess and, and and you sort of end up in a place that you probably didn't ever think you would um, but I think it's about matching the the skills and, and that you have and the, and the things that you're good at and that you enjoy into a career that enables you to become fulfilled in those in that, in that role. Um, so definitely very much an evolution for me rather than an early aspiration. Oh, for sure. So that leads us nicely into, tell us a bit about how you got here then. So if it wasn't necessarily your goal, how tell us about your journey. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll talk you through it. Um, I... I went 
to school, I went to uni, uh, then I, I really got bitten by the travel bug um, and spent a lot of time um, exploring the world really, so from places far afield as New Zealand, but also some more sort of slightly exotic locations, India, uh, Africa, uh, Southeast Asia, um, and spent almost five years sort of traveling and working and being sort of fairly entrepreneurial. Um, mingling with different groups of people um, taking different different jobs around around the world and then I got back to the UK eventually having decided it was uh, I'd, I'd sort of had enough of living out of a suitcase uh, or a backpack got back to the UK and fell into a sort of travel sales role where I felt that the expertise I had um, having traveled for for a, a fairly big chunk of time across a lot of destinations around the world meant that I could help people make really good choices about their holidays and their travel experience. So I, I sort of fell into travel sales because it's something that I really enjoyed talking about. I was really passionate about and that I had this expertise or knowledge that I could help others with. Um, so I fell into travel sales on that basis um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I found I was quite good at it. I was able to, I think people value the the help that you can give them and the advice um, and therefore I was able to um, sell quite a few holidays and um, become quite successful in that role and then it was a sort of a small entrepreneurial type company that was growing very quickly um, so I, I fairly rapidly moved into sort of managerial positions um, running sort of a small sales team five six people and that sort of grew and grew and grew I think that that was where I realized that I had um, a capability for, for leadership as well um, and setting direction and coming up with ideas um, to, to drive sales and, and also coaching and mentoring and developing individuals to be great at what they do as well. So I think it's probably fair to say that in sales, I think a lot of people who are really good salespeople don't always necessarily naturally become the best managers or, or leaders. Um, and it does take a lot of work and training and coaching to get people there. But I guess I did that through some of the experiences I built through travel. Um, I was able to apply a lot of those skills in a sort of managerial role um, and found that I really enjoyed that as well. So, and, and then sort of from there, various different sort of sales leadership roles um, ultimately landing me uh, the, the job at Travelodge. But that, that was a sort of grounding really. It was definitely travel and then using that expertise to sell travel and then building a capability to become a, a, a good manager and good leader um, through the skills that I'd learned. That's really interesting and it's it's great to see that an interest, a passion that you that you had early early on in your life has has stimulated your career development, that you're still able to work in an industry that is quite close to your heart, uh, which is which is fantastic. So Really interesting. Uh, tell us a bit about those skills that you need to be an effective salesperson and sales manager. Yeah, so I think it a lot of the skills that I were able to use when I sort of moved from a sales role to a, a managerial role, lead, a leadership role, were skills that I sort of developed through my time traveling, but also through things like sport as well, where you 
take a bit of responsibility, a bit of accountability. You make decisions, you think creatively, uh, you come up with ideas and solutions to problems. And I think those sort of skills that I probably built and developed more outside of a sort of work slash commercial environment stood me in huge stead when I came to uh, be taking on a, a managerial role. I think having empathy for your team, putting yourself in their shoes, understanding what challenges they might be facing and what things fulfill them and motivate them, um, looking at it from their perspective, ensuring that they've got the things that they need to do a great job um, and and continuing to evolve. So I think the skills that I developed outside of work in travel and in sports uh, and probably more recently becoming a parent uh, 11 years ago, developing those those skills of negotiation and, and compromise as well. But yeah, so I think those are the those are the sort of the groundings of what helped me take that step from being a salesperson into a managerial role. And that's really fascinating because what you've done there is is highlight a number of people skills, interpersonal skills, which I think traditionally is is not particularly associated with a salesperson, is it? I think uh, traditionally sales has been associated associated with you know hungry for money, competitive, you know win win win. Uh, it's not quite like that really anymore, is it? Uh, a quality salesperson has a different type of persona. No, I think I think the days of sort of Wolf of Wall Street are, are gone really now, and I think uh, most of the research that you see now about buyer behavior so people who are making a buying decision um, lead you to believe that making sure that you can help a customer on their journey um, and and help them achieve their results help them as an individual look great in their organization are the things that you focus on so it's expertise uh, it's telling them stuff that they don't already know it's guiding them through a process um, it's helping them with advice and being a trusted advisor and it's all of those skills that I think are are more important and most of my sort of sales understanding starts from the, the premise that you don't need to be sort of cutthroat at the very end of it you don't need to battle through complex negotiations if you've done all of the the early part of the process well build build that relationship with the customer make sure you're offering them something um, in terms of advice or in terms of expertise or in terms of um, learnings that, that helps them in their role. Um, and ultimately, they will then value the, the product or service that you're, that you're selling and, and the end bit becomes much more straightforward. It's not easy, but it's much more straightforward because you've done the hard work and understood the benefits that, they, that they're going to gain from working with you. So, yeah, I think it's very much about you know, sales through service but it's also about convincing a customer to make a decision and helping a customer make a decision um, to to buy your product or service. So yeah, definitely a big change since the sort of hard-nosed era in the 80s and 90s um, and probably early 2000s where people were ringing bells in sales. But I I think it's a bit of a blend because I think you've still got to be quite determined and quite driven and and quite passionate to achieve outcomes and results. It's just how you go about those things that I think has changed. I think probably through 
for, for the good um, in, in more recent years. Absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, it's the drive to maybe service that customer and, and, and help them on their way rather than, you know, building those partnerships rather than winning over and above your colleagues. It's about how are we, how are we achieving together, maybe for us and for the customer. So more partnership building. Which is, which is great. I mean, nobody likes to be sold at, do they? <laughs> Thanks so much for downloading this podcast. I hope you're enjoying Chris's story. I often get told that people feel let down, that their organisation hasn't invested in their professional development. On one hand, I get this. Job offers can come with promises of professional development that never materialize, and you can feel let down and disillusioned. However, I have to tell you that no one is going to be as invested in your career as you are. So it really is down to you to carve out and embrace opportunities to develop. This doesn't have to be expensive courses. It can involve asking to be part of projects that interest you, making suggestions on secondments maybe, asking for more responsibilities in areas that align with your career aspirations, or maybe approaching someone influential and asking them if they'll be your mentor. Showing you're interested and using your initiative will always put you in the limelight when opportunities for growth arise. Now, if you are wanting training, there are multiple platforms where you can access free or cheap professional courses, which you can do maybe in your spare time. Have a look at Coursera or Udemy, for example. There are a huge number of courses there for you to jump into. It really is all down to you. Now, back to Chris. So really interesting. I mean, again, we're talking a lot of people skills. So, you know, people, the people element, the interpersonal skills, you know, are, are so uh, inter- integral um, to what you do. How does this relate, if it does at all, to subjects you might have taken at school? Did those subjects that you took maybe at A-levels support you in this career journey? I think the subjects themselves, um, I mean, I, I, my A-levels were geography, maths and economics. And what geography probably did is sort of open my eyes to the world that was out there. Um, maths definitely gave me some sort of logical reasoning um, and economics probably slightly more commercial view of, of how the world works so definitely a good a good grounding um, but I think for me the benefit of doing A levels was all about the skills that you learn through taking those subjects and taking those those exams and, and coursework and things like that so the skills around how to learn how to interpret information that's presented to you and being curious about getting under the skin of a particular subject or topic Um, so I think yes in that those those subjects gave me some good good groundings in in very specific skills and interests but I think most subjects at A level will provide you with with something along those lines but for me it was all about learning a bit of self-initiative and when you get to sort of a level and then on to university the the reliance on the teacher becomes less the reliance on your own um, motivation and your own determination to to learn is really really powerful i think and that and that for me was part of the the journey to go from sort of being taught to being self-taught in a way um, and starting to take a little bit of initiative 
um, a little bit of control of your results. Um, so I think it's, it's more about the skills that I learned through studying those subjects than the subjects themselves that made the biggest difference to me personally. No, that's interesting. And, ha- and what did they lead to? What did you end up taking as a, as a degree at uni? Ge- I, I did geography and I studied geography for three years. And um, obviously geography is, is multifaceted, everything from sort of meteorology to a bit of geology to uh, human geography, all, all that kind of thing, um, which, I, which I enjoyed because it was, it was quite, there was a lot of variation in it. But I, I think the main reason that I pursued that as a degree was because I enjoyed it um, and therefore I was going to be able to give it my all and my best shot. I think if I'd chosen a subject that I didn't find as interesting, but it might have been sort of a, a more traditional academic route, you know, whether that's a science or an engineering or, or medicine or, or those sort of things. But for me, if I was going to study it for three years, it needed to be something that I had a real interest and passion in, and therefore I could give it my best shot and, and stay engaged with it and, and build all those skills that I talked about around curiosity and, and um, ability to to self-teach and, and, and learn. Um, so that, that was more the, the reasons for my choice at, at that point. I think if I'd had an aspiration to be a doctor, then I would have chosen medicine and so on. I think if you've got a sort of vocational uh, aspiration or ambition, then there are obviously some subjects that really set you up at that point in your in your learning career. But for me, it was about making sure that I was still kind of excited about learning through three years at uni. Oh, that's great. And I think, you know, that's, that's such a, a powerful message because when... Young people go off to uni now, they're what, 18, 19 years old, with very little experience and exposure of the, the different jobs out there. And how on earth can somebody make a career choice? Unless they've always said, like you say, wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer or something. How can young people make a decision on what they want to do? So the best choice is, is following what you're interested in, because in that way, you're going to be motivated and uh, excited to learn because it's something that really sort of resonates with, with you. Uh, so and I think that that's fantastic, because although geography and being a sales director might not, there might not be an obvious link, but it's the industry, isn't it? It's that travel part. You've always been fascinated with the world that we live in and you've gone off to explore that and now you're now you're linking that into to to different skills but it's still there as a foundation a bit of a, a curveball but if if you're comfortable to talk about it what significant pain points have you had to overcome to to get to where you are because very few career journeys are absolutely you know plain sailing what sort of things have you you what sort of challenges have you had to overcome in your time yeah, I think there's probably some tough decisions that you, that you have to make um, in various roles. Um, so, so things like you might be very successful in a, in a company and and doing very well, but actually there becomes um, perhaps just no natural opportunity for progression. And if you're ambitious to progress, then you know those decisions are often quite tough to take to go outside of a very comfortable environment and go actually no, I'm going to leave this and I'm going to shoot for something that will challenge me but perhaps feels really uncomfortable and I think that those decisions are hard um, but I think I've, I've not regretted any of those decisions that I've taken in my career um, but, I th- but I think those are the ones that if you want to progress and develop you, you do have to make some difficult choices 
in terms of change, change career path, maybe try a different sector or a different, slightly different role um, for a period of time. None of it tends to be reversible. That's my probably my best bit of advice is that it feels like a really big decision at the time, but actually, you know, normally it'll either work out or you or you'll perhaps move on again, and that, and that's cool. Um, so. I think some of those decisions have been quite tough and quite hard. Um, I think the other thing as you get into sort of management and leadership positions are about potentially having to make tough decisions on people who are maybe landed in a role that's not quite right for them or they don't quite fit um, in, in terms of the role or the, or the results or outcomes that you're expecting. And, and sometimes you have to make tough decisions on individuals as well. Um, but again, the advice is generally that those decisions are probably for the best in the long run, but can be quite painful in the short term for individuals concerned. It's never easy for a manager to have to tell one of his team that they're not doing a brilliant job or, or perhaps don't have the quite, quite either have the, um, the experience or the skills or, or the mindset to, to do what they need to do in a role. So I think there's definitely, you know, some tough choices that I've had to make through my career, both in terms of my own personal career trajectory and decisions that have put me out of my comfort zone, um, but also then people who've worked for me or within my team, but we just sort of had to go, look, this is perhaps not working out, it's perhaps not best for either of us. Um, my belief is that if you've got somebody who's not performing brilliantly in a role or, or to, the, to the level that you expect, it's probably they're not enjoying it either. And it's probably not a great, choice for them to remain in that role so I think you know those are difficult decisions but ultimately I think that they tend to be for the best in the long run so yeah brave, brave choices along the way I think are probably the the difficult ones but I don't have really any regrets in the choices that I've made um, that at the time felt really huge but in, in hindsight they all felt like they were the right decisions to have made Oh, that's great. Yeah, I think uh, stepping into the unknown can feel absolutely terrifying. And I think that's why many people stay in roles where they might not enjoy it, where they might not be performing, like you were just saying, to an optimum because they're too frightened to go and step out into something new out of their comfort zone. But just as you say there, a step might feel huge, but you know, a step is made by a number of small steps. And in a short period of time, you know, after you've got got used to the new role, used to a new organization or used to your new industry, you start to actually feel more comfortable. So, you know, fear comes from lack of, of, of experience or exposure. So, you know, starting with small elements of exposure starts to make you feel more comfortable and more and more uh, competent, I suppose. So no regrets. We obviously have quite a broad audience uh listening to to us so to those that are just starting out in their career and are interested in moving into a into a sales role they might have been uh, listening to to certain qualities that you've really highlighted as strengths in a sales role what advice would you give them if they're just starting out advice um, my advice would probably be to be really hungry about learning um, about learning about your customer, learning about the product or service that they're trying to sell, learning from people who are doing a, a great job in the role. Um, so I think, you know, every day is a school day, isn't it? And I think having that attitude to go, look, if you're early on in your career, you may not have had 
all the different scenarios that you're going to face um, in in the, in the in your role. And I think having a real hunger to learn is super important in sales. And I think alongside that, trying to build up your confidence in terms of having conversations with customers, um, feeling confident to ask questions and challenge customers and building that up. But it's, it's not easy to say, you know, have confidence. I don't think that's helpful. I think it's it's taking a little step every day, every week to improve your understanding and your learnings and be hungry about that and then build that into how confident you feel on a phone call or in a meeting or, or when you're in front of a customer. Um, but yeah, learn, um, I think, and be really hungry to learn is probably my biggest advice because I think it's, you know, there aren't six steps to successful sales that you can formulaically iterate every time. Yes, there's a lot of frameworks and best practice, but I don't think it's as easy as going, if you do these four, five, six things every time, you'll be successful. I think it's about learning how to adapt, learning from others, learning from your customers on, on what works. Um, and probably the, the best advice for a salesperson that I can I can probably think of that I, I've ever been given was try and always put yourself in your customer's shoes. So what would you want to hear? What would you want to, to be talking about with a salesperson? What would you want to uh, know from a salesperson? So if you look at it from your customer's perspective, that is a really, really good start. Fantastic. If, we, if we're talking to somebody who might be, you know, finishing up A-levels uh, or, or even, you know, considering whether A-levels is, is an option and maybe thinking, oh, maybe I'll, I'll do a, an apprenticeship or maybe a degree apprenticeship a bit later on. Are there any particular subjects that you would recommend that would set people up? I mean, it's a t- I, I've thought about this one b- before, actually. It's, it's quite tough to, to say it's geography because I wouldn't probably say that to anyone. Um, but what I would say is that I think goes back to my, my prior point really that you want to take to look at subjects that you are have a real excitement in or that um, that you're that you enjoy learning about or that you find really interesting um, so I think and that differs for, for everyone um, you know I think if you go back to the more sort of academic vocational type qualifications that we talked about so things like medicine, I'd imagine that most people who choose medicine is because they have a sort of interest in in that, not because that is just what they have to do or what they feel that they should do. Um, I'm sure that if you want to be in medicine, you would have you'll be most successful if you have a real interest in either the scientific side of it or the helping other people. You know, the the the, the reward that you get from helping people through their their difficulties. So. I, trying to give it a slightly different perspective on, on the answer really because I don't think it is you know always do maths or always do English or, or sciences or whatever I think it's very much about making sure that as you narrow down your academic choices that you are doing things that that excite you motivate you make you want to learn make you want to be curious about those topics um, and make you want to be an expert in them so and I think that is difficult for everyone so hopefully that's not too much of a a politician's answer um, but I, I do generally believe that there's no point learning something that you hate and you don't want to go to the lectures or the or the lessons I think that is hugely counterproductive even if it feels like it's a, a subject that you should do um, I think if, if you if you feel like that about the subjects then you you should not be doing them and you should be thinking of other other choices 
And it's important to be able to have those honest conversations with people who were influential in your life, whether that's parents or guardians or teachers or, or wherever. And just, I think, being really open and honest about that, I think, is really important for, for, for young people who are making those choices and not to feel pressured into doing what they feel they should do or what other people are doing. Um, so I think, as I said, that is really counterproductive in the long run. Yeah, that's really good advice. And I think what uh, what occurred to me as you were as you were talking there is that you've coupled having an expertise with the interpersonal skills. And if we think about it, the amount of organizations and industries out there requires multiple expertise. So you could go and do chemistry or you could go into um, history or English or drama or whatever you might do there is going to be an organizational industry that actually links into that somehow that you could, you know, that could, that could start to build the foundation of knowledge and expertise and then using those interpersonal skills on top to learn the, to learn the sales way. Uh, so, so as you say, follow something that you love. And if you like the sound of sales, you're good at it though. You have those interpersonal skills. There will be an organizational industry out there for you, won't there to be able to, to develop that career. So Interesting. Any different advice to somebody who might be in, I don't know, their 30s, 40s thinking, I want to move into sales, uh, I want to have a sidestep, career change. Any different advice? I think a lot of it still sits in the same sort of space for me. It's around making sure that you feel really comfortable with that organisation. I think change is always scary and, and, and often difficult, but I think you've, you've got to find an organisation that fits with your values um, and and enables you to be fulfilled in a role so i think be brave definitely that's that's my big advice to, to people is to be to be brave if you can um i think sales specifically has um, often had a very bad press over the years but i think sales is actually really multifaceted now and there's different types of sales roles and there's different types of of individuals working in sales and um, with different characteristics different personalities um you know and, and i think it's give it a go if the organization fits with your values and and you feel like it's a company that you want to work for give it a go and as you say penny they'll they'll in most organizations there's a role that fits the skills that you've got somewhere um, it's just about being quite open-minded about trying to find those roles and i you know i encourage a lot of my team to think okay if you if you get to a point in your career where there's no natural progression through the sort of organization in the, in the sort of linear way then then look at look outside that particular function so you know we've had really good examples of people in my team who've moved into the IT function at Travelodge or the people team at, at Travelodge, um, the operations team at Travelodge. And, you know, I think the skills that you build in any role, but particularly in sales with the interpersonal skills, the, the drive for results um, and, and that kind of thing will, will stand you in good stead. So I think, yeah, be, be really open-minded about it. It's probably my, my advice. Lovely. Lovely. So... What's next for you, Chris? So you're your sales director now. What, what's on the, the horizon for you in your career? What are you sailing towards? Yeah, I mean, I, I think having sort of listened to my answers through, through this podcast, Penny, it probably makes me think, okay, you know, I want to help people be, be great um, at what they do. And, and I think for me, it's probably in the future, it will be about moving into roles where I can dip in and out of, of businesses and 
help people achieve their aspirations and goals. So more down the sort of consultancy, short-term contract, that that kind of thing where I can make the biggest difference in changing around cultures, um, enabling people to, to succeed, um, achieving business goals, commercial goals for companies um, quickly as well. Because I, I do love a bit of change. I do love improving things and, and making positive um, alterations in, in teams, processes, helping people get better and improve. So I think for me, that's that's really where I want to want to head in the future. Oh, amazing! I think uh, that's that's a a great idea, and I'm sure that you will be very successful doing that. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I hope that uh, that I get to see you soon. Perfect. It's been a real pleasure chatting to you today, Penny, and, uh, and, and good luck with everything you do. And hopefully you can make a lot of uh, help, help people make some difficult choices and some um, really amazing interventions in their careers as well. I'm sure you can. Oh, thanks. I, I really hope so. Thanks so much for listening to another career story from the field. I really hope you're enjoying learning about all these fantastic people and their career histories. If you are enjoying it, please do rate the show or follow me. And importantly, if you would like to feature on the show as one of my guests, please do get in touch via the email in the show notes. Thanks for listening.